0: series in Ephesians. How many have been enjoying our series? Come on, raise your hand in Ephesians. I especially loved last week's sermon. I might be biased, but it was the best one yet. (laughs) Powerful. I got saved all over again. Praise Jesus. Continuing our series, Ephesians chapter 4, context of Ephesians, Paul, apostle of Christ. He's the one writing this letter to the church while in a Roman prison. Can you imagine that? Writing this letter to us to encourage us. In Ephesians chapter 4, we can break down this chapter into three parts. Unity in the church, gifts to the church, and living as the church. Ephesians 4, when we look at the summary of Ephesians 4, it deals with at the very core what it means to be a Christian both in faith and in practice. Come on, say, in faith and in practice. What it means to believe, but to also live out that belief. What it means to declare that Jesus is Lord, but to also walk out that declaration. What it means to know about Jesus, not just to know about Jesus, but what it is to really know Jesus. Come on, how many of know there's a difference? There's a difference between knowing about what he did there's a difference between knowing about the miracles that he did, the stories that he outworked, and then actually knowing Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. And this, brought, this thought right here, this is what brings me to the title of our message today. Today, I want to speak to you on the subject of living a life that's worthy. Living a life that's Worthy. Ephesians 4 verse 1, Paul, the very first thing he says, I, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to live a life that's worthy of the calling you have received. He doesn't request. He's not asking politely. He's begging us urging us to live a life that's worthy of the calling. If you translate the word worthy in the Greek, you can translate it as deserving. In other words, is my life and the way that I'm living deserving of the calling that I have received? Bringing it down just a little bit more. One translation says this, walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank. So in the military, to break this down just even further, in the military, you have different ranks, right? We have a private first class, and then we have generals, right? Privates are the ones that get off the bus, fresh out the boat. They're right inside. They're learning everything. They're not seasoned. And then you have generals that are well-seasoned, that have gone through battles and victories and struggles and now are commanding armies. A private doesn't do what a general does, And a general doesn't do what a private does. Why? Because of the general's rank. He's operating on a high level, executing at a high level, commanding at a high level. Why? Because of the rank that has been given to him. So Paul is trying to say this. Because of what Christ has done on the cross, when we accept him as Lord and as Savior, we have been given now a high rank. Does that make sense? How do I know this? Because the Bible says that I'm seated in heavenly places. The Bible also says that through Christ, I have now the righteousness of God. And now Paul, he's urging us to live a life that's worthy of that rank, having the mindset of a high rank instead of a mindset of a low rank, worthy of the calling I have received. Calling, what what does that mean? If you break down the word calling, it means to live a life that exhibits godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, and mature behavior. This is a universal calling. This isn't an option. When we say yes to Jesus, we are taking on this calling. Paul isn't talking about specific things you are doing, as in, I'm gonna be this person or that person, I'm gonna do this occupation. In this context, he's talking about the calling that we as believers take on godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, mature behavior. And I would argue that many of us, we want this courage. Many of us, I would argue we want to live a life that's godly. We want to live a life with personal integrity and mature behavior. And the question remains, how? How do we do this? Because those are heavy mandates. It's not easy to live morally. It's not easy to have personal integrity, right? Especially in today's culture. So how do we do this not just when we get pumped up in the church, but when we're out in the marketplace? How do we do this? And I believe in this passage of scripture, Paul gives us three very practical ways. Three ways to live a life that's worthy of the calling we have received. So number one, how do we do this? How do we live a life that's worthy of the calling I have received? Number one, I make myself united to the church and in the church. Ephesians four verse one says, therefore I, a prisoner serving the Lord, Urge you to live a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. One Lord, one faith One baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. What is Paul trying to say? Paul is saying that there is power in unity. How many believe that? That there is power in unity. There is power in numbers. There's power when we decide to not just come to church, but to stay in church. There's power when different cultures and backgrounds come together under one body, right? There's power when we're able to push 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 against our offensive and push over our differences for the common goal of advancing the kingdom of God against the powers of darkness. That's why it says in Hebrews, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us what? Encourage one another. Paul says make every Effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves with peace. One translation says, literally chaining yourselves together to your brothers and to your sisters. Why? Working together to make the whole body successful, demonstrating gentleness and love, making this is the kicker making allowance for each other's faults. Because the easy part, church, honestly, is coming to church. That's essentially the easy part. You know what's hard? Developing relationships within the church knowing that that person might hurt you. Pushing back over the offenses. Deepening of relationship through reconciliation. You know, there's been so many moments where as a pastor, I've offended people. People have offended me, right? But when we have those heart-to-heart conversations, when we have the courage to go up to someone and say, hey, this offended me or this hurt me, I can attest to the moments that from those hard conversations, reconciliation happened. Relationship got deeper and got stronger. That's what unity is. It's living in harmony. You can't be unified on your own because the thing is you can believe whatever you want to believe, right? Unity is when you have harmony with other people, Right? So as a person that sings, harmony right, is different notes that are played or sung together to make one sound. So when I sing one note and you sing another note in the same key, right, one note, another note, another note, and you sing it all together, that's what harmony is. And that's what the body of Christ is. We can't do this alone. Right? We think about David, he had mighty men to help him fight the battles. Gideon had 300 soldiers. Moses had Aaron and her to hold up his arms when they were trying to fight a battle. And not to mention, Jesus had 12 disciples. Think about the savior of the universe, the one that could have done it all on his own. Almighty God that was there at the beginning, through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Think about the reality that he came to earth and he didn't do it alone. What did he do? He bound himself together with these teenage boys. He chose to walk the miles through every single town. He chose to go hungry. He chose to live this hard life, binding himself together with other people to advance the kingdom of God. How much more us sinners, church? We can't do this alone. Teamwork makes the dream work. Iron sharpens iron. So the first thing that we gotta do is if we wanna live a life worthy of the calling that we have received, we gotta come to church and we gotta choose to be united in the church. Be united in the church. What does it mean to be united? Simple. Be humble. Be gentle. Be patient with other people. Making allowance for their faults because of our love for each other. Long-suffering. Say long-suffering. But say with a smile. Long-suffering. Right? There's a joy in the long-suffering. Number two, how do I live a life that's worthy of the calling I have received? I make the decision to serve with a purpose. Verses 7 to 16, Paul he talks about the special gifts each one of us has given because of the generosity of Christ. Right? All of us have special gifts. You can do what I can't do, I I can't do what you can't do, right? We're all unique, right? But then he goes on to say that there are specific gifts given to the church. And this is what it says, verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So my responsibility as a pastor is to equip you to do what? His work, right? To equip you to do his work. So you might be wondering, okay, cool, What is that? What does it mean to do his work? And I think the bigger question that you need to ask yourself is, instead of saying, what do I do, ask yourself, what's in your hand right now? What's in front of you right now? Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In other words, God is saying this, do with excellence what's in front of you, because as you do with excellence what's in front of you, I'm going to start transforming things on the inside of you to prepare you for what's ahead. Does that make sense? Is that ringing true with anybody? So in other words, if you're a student in college, if you're a high school student, if you're in the occupation that you studied and went to school for, Whatever career choice you're in, everyone, every age right now has something in front of them that has been placed. And the choice that we need to make is, am I going to give this half-hearted or I'm going to give it as unto the Lord? Doing with excellence, serving with a purpose. A perfect example of this is David. Let's just think about David's story for, for, for a moment. First Samuel chapter 16, he's anointed king of Israel as a teenager. By the, the prophet Samuel, anointed as king of Israel. The next chapter, where do we see David? We don't see him on a throne. We don't see him leading armies. We don't see him executing kingly tasks. Where do we see him? We see him literally carrying cheese to his brothers. Carrying cheese. Cheese. Pastor Greg preaches like one of my favorite sermons on this, carrying the cheese. If you haven't seen it, listen to it. It's the bomb. Carry cheese, right? That's where David is. And because he chose to honor his father's requests of carrying the cheese to his brothers that didn't even believe in him, in that transaction, he hears the outcry of the Philistine giant mocking the Lord and mocking the Israelite army. And it says in the Bible that this, it was like this righteous anger dwelled up on the inside of David and by the power of God, he goes up to that Goliath and slays him with a stone. And many of us might know the story from that point on, David takes one step further into the destiny that God had for his life. How many of us, what am I trying to say is this, how many of us are anointed to do amazing things for the kingdom of God. But we're missing it because we're not willing to carry the cheese. What's in your hand right now? What has God placed in your hand that you can do with excellence as unto the Lord? And this is one thing that Pastor Pastor Greg has said. I'm gonna paraphrase the quote. But he says this, carry the cheese to where it needs to go and the cheese will carry you to where you need to go. In Jesus' name. Serve with a purpose. And as each part, verse 16, as we're going on in Ephesians, as each part does its own special work, it actually helps the other people grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So when you serve with a purpose, it actually helps me serve with a purpose. Never underestimate the power of your good attitude. Never underestimate the power of your faithfulness, the power of your drive, because it's contagious. And when we're all working in harmony, united, serving with a purpose, doing what we're called to do, man, we can shake the kingdom of hell on this earth. Come on, do you believe that? That we can't do this alone, that when we serve together, united with a purpose, anything is possible. And what's so, what, what's, what's, what's so beautiful is that not all of us are called to do the same thing. Just imagine if you were to go to a hospital and all they had was heart surgeons, right? As amazing and as incredible as that field is, there are people that have other needs, There's people that need to get operated on their brain. There's people that are coming in with broken legs and arms. There's people that have different needs. And all of us in this room, God has given us special abilities that's different and unique from everyone else because there's people out there that need what we have on the inside. And when we accept that and we stop comparing ourselves and saying, man, I wish I had that gift or I wish I had that gift. And when we accept what God has given us, we live. A fulfilled life. We live the life that's worthy of the calling. We live with a purpose. Not all of us are called to do the same thing. We are all called to be the light of the world. As simple as that. You might get confused. All, what am I supposed to do? Be the light of the world. But yeah, I'm doing something that I don't like to do. I'm working here. I'm doing this. I'm still in school. Be the light of the world. Why? Because the Bible says, let your light shine so that they may see your good, what, words, action? No, deeds, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We can't be preaching and telling our people and coworkers, man, Jesus loves you, has a plan for you, the perfect gift of salvation, but we show up late. We don't get the job done. Our work ethic is lacking. We have bitter attitudes. When we serve with a purpose, we wake up every morning with the mindset of, God, my day is your day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. doesn't matter where I am, God, you have placed me there because I believe you order my steps. So, therefore, if you order my steps, I'm here for a reason. And if I'm here for a reason, then there must be someone that needs to hear of the gospel. Not just through my words, but through my deeds. Serve with a purpose. Let your light shine so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father that is in heaven. So, how do I live a life? Number three, that's worthy of the calling I have received. Right, we talked about being united in the church. United to the church and in the church. We talked about serving with a purpose. And number three, lastly, how do we live a life that's worthy of the calling? I make Jesus the Lord of my life. I make him the Lord of my life. Verse 17 to 31, Paul gives specific instructions on how to live as children of the light. Verse 17. This is what it says. Worship team, you guys could come up. Paul commands us this is what he says. Do not live like the unbelievers do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Come on, how many remember that when you were before Christ, right? But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Verse 21 says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, it says this, Throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, corrupted by lust and deception. Here's the reality, here's the hard reality, church. A lot of us, we've heard the truth. A lot of us have even learned the truth. But I believe to date, date, now the Lord is asking, it's time to live out this truth. That's why Paul says, throw off your old sinful nature, not gently remove, but throw off your old sinful nature. You see, there's always an action associated with revelation. There is action always associated with revelation. That's why in James 1, it says, don't just listen to God's word, do what it says. Why? He compares it to this. It'd be like as if you look in the mirror, walk away and forget what you look like. And many of us, we have declared, safe to say this, many of us have declared Jesus as our savior, but not as Lord of our lives. We've declared Jesus as king of the earth, but not master of my life. We've allowed him to come into the vehicle of our life, but he's the passenger and not the driver. Jesus being Lord of your life means that he makes the final call. He makes the decisions. He dictates what you do, what you say, how you speak, what you listen to, what you watch, the people that you hang out with. When he's Lord of your life, we give him full submission, not over the things we want him to take away, but over every aspect of our lives. Is he Lord of your life? It says in verse 23, instead let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes put on your new nature created to be like god your new nature let's just let that simmer for a second to be like god we throw off the old nature we put on the new nature that's what created to be like god that's a very heavy statement created to be like God because who is God it says that he is truly righteous and he is truly holy righteous and holy holy means dedicated consecrated set apart right that's what holy means and when we look at God's nature we cannot forget that God is holy, that he's holy, right? We can't forget, and this is my concern, we can't forget in the midst of receiving his mercy and his grace that he is holy. Church, this is the same, let's, let's just do some history right now. This is the same God that told Moses, no one can see my face and live. This is the same God that right now, the four living creatures, day and night, are flying around the throne of heaven, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. This is the same God that Isaiah the prophet, when he had a vision of the Lord, he says, I saw the Lord seated high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple, and I saw these creatures singing holy, holy. And he says this, woe is me, for I am a sinful man. Right, because when he was in the presence of perfection, he realized the imperfection of who he was. This is the same God, church, that the author of Timothy describes as immortal and an approachable light. This is the same God that the disciple John, when he had a vision of Jesus, said man his hair was as white as snow his eyes were like fire his feet were polished like bronze his face was like the sun his voice thundered like roaring waters and it says that when he saw him he fell at his feet as if he were a dead man guys this is the same god that changeth not and he requires us as believers to be holy as he is holy that's why it says in the psalms who may ascend the hill of the lord those who have clean hands and a pure heart, who don't trust in idols, who don't swear by false gods. And there's been so many moments in my life that God has challenged me in this. Be holy as I am a holy. He'll put, put, literally I feel his prick. Hey Chris, I don't want you watching that. Be holy as I am holy. Hey Chris, I don't want you listening to that. Be holy as I am a holy. And I wonder how many times we have neglected that voice. Because we're saying oh I'm covered by grace I'm covered by mercy but we forget the reality of his holiness church he's holy we can't forget the holiness of our God and who he is and it's not that he's trying to t- he's not trying to take your fun away he's trying to show you that there is a better way there's a life that's more fulfilling and you're trying to find it and you're trying to fill your life with things of of no purpose, of no value. And God is saying, do you trust me enough to obey? Do you trust me enough to put that new nature on? Trust me. And the question that I have for us today is this, because all of this sounds, it might be like, man, Chris, that's like very heavy. To live a life that's holy, Chris, I don't know if I can do it. And my question to you today is this, have you encountered the Living God, because the byproduct of encounter is transformation. The byproduct of encounter, it's surrender. When you encounter the living, I'm not talking about just feeling good on the inside and getting. I'm talking about being hit by the presence of the living God where you walk out of here change and transform so much so that you don't have to say one word but people that don't know Christ will look at you and say man there's just something about you that's different I'm talking about that type of encounter I'm not talking about how many times you have come to church, how many verses you know how well you know the latest song on CCM, I'm talking about do you know the living God have you encountered the presence of the Holy God that has changed you from the inside out I mean that's why the disciples they left everything when Jesus walked up to them he said drop your nets and follow me why because they beheld the glory of the one and only who came to the father full of grace and truth they left everything church their job occupation family to leave all of that behind and follow this man why because they encountered the living God when you encounter him everything changes everything changes everything changes the way that you think changes the way that you live changes who you hang out with changes the things that you thought you wanted you don't even want anymore because you tasted and seen that he is good and what he offers the world can't give you. Can I say that again? What the world, what he offers, the world can't give you, church. And that's why there's that, that hymn, don't worry, I'm not gonna make you play. There's that hymn that says, turn your eyes on Jesus, look full in his wonderful face and all of these things that you thought you wanted, the worries of this life, everything grows strangely dim In the light of his glory and his grace. In the light of his glory and his grace. When you fix your eyes on him, church. That's how I want to live my life. Paul urges us, live a life worthy. Worthy of the calling. Worthy of the calling that you ever see. He wants you, the reason why he's urging you is because he wants you to understand that the life you could have if you give your all to Jesus, it'll change you forever. That that is why Paul, like think about this, hold up a sec. That is why Paul is writing this letter in a prison cell. If I'm in a prison cell, the last thing that I'm thinking about is you. I'm thinking about how am I going to get out of here? I'm looking around. It says, the commentators will say this, that he was most likely chained to a Roman soldier as he's writing these letters. I'm looking at that Roman soldier and thinking about what can I sharpen to get this guy off of me so I could get, like my mind is not anywhere near trying to incur, but yet we find Paul in the darkness of a prison, most likely beaten, most likely hungry, writing and urging us to live a life worthy of the calling. It's like as indirectly Paul was saying, when you give your life to Jesus, when you say yes to Jesus, when he is the Lord of your life, it doesn't matter what prison you might, might find yourself in today. It doesn't what report comes to you, what your bank account says. No matter what situations surround you, you can find yourself in the middle of the prison saying, my God is with me. My God is for me. And if my God is for me, who can be against me? He shall supply all my needs according to his riches and Christ Jesus. He is Jehovah Rapha, my healer. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And that's why why Paul, at the end of his life, wrote in 2 Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now awaits for me a crown of righteousness. Church, when he comes into your life, everything changes. But the choice that we have to make is, Lord, am I going to give you full reign in my life have you encountered him Jesus eye has not seen ear has not heard it hasn't even entered the minds of men the plans and the purpose he has for your life and a lot of us were walking around even believers dare I say like zombies because we've forgotten who we are We've forgotten the rank that we have been assigned. You see how privates act is very different from how a general acts. And because of what Christ has done on the cross, I live as a general. I live as a high rank, not because of my works, but because of what he has done 2,000 years ago. Because you have been bought with a price. Let me remind you who you are today. You are chosen. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession. You are more than a conqueror. You are the head and not the tail. You are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. You are seated in heavenly places. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are sealed and marked, branded as God's own. Come on, do you believe that today? That's who you are. That's who you are. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Before you were even a thought in your mother, you were knitted together in her womb. Come on, let's stand to our feet all across the room. Jesus. Jesus. Lord, remind us who we are today. Remind us who we are. As As we leave this place and go into our Mondays, remind us we are today in the name of Jesus every head bowed every eye closed pastors in the room prayer team if you guys can make your way to the front I want to give an opportunity right now every head bowed every eyes closed no matter who you are right now whether you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior Or maybe you've been just coming to church, but you haven't encountered him yet. I want to give you an opportunity right now to make that decision. So every head bowed, every eye closed, if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, If you wanna make the decision today to say, yes, Jesus, I wanna live a life that isn't just going day to day with no purpose. I wanna live a life that's worthy of the calling that I have received. If that's you today, shoot your hand up right now in the name of Jesus. Lift up your hand, hands all across the room, hands all across the room. You wanna live a life that's worthy of the calling. You want Jesus to be the Lord of your life. So all of us, let's repeat this prayer. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. I know that I am a sinner, but I thank you for what you did on the cross. I accept you, Jesus. As Lord and Savior of my life God I give up control be the driver I surrender all to you in the name of Jesus everyone said come on everyone shouted come on everyone shouted amen amen come on all across the room let's just lift up our hands right now Jesus we worship you come on let's just worship him for a moment Jesus we give you praise come on he's worthy we lift you up come on this is the truth come on when we give our lives to him he takes control no matter what situations no matter what comes to us Jesus, we worship you, Lord. Come on, sing it again. Come on, rain came, wind blew, but Jesus came. Come on. Hallelujah. you for your presence Lord we thank you that you're here with us your name is Emmanuel for your name's sake you must honor your name and Emmanuel means God with us so Lord let us honor this mandate that has been given to us in Ephesians chapter 4 to be united to the church and in the church to serve with a purpose to be the light of the world and to make you the Lord of our lives so God we give you the praise and we give you the thanks in the name of Jesus we pray everyone said amen amen listen if you need prayer